Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the live stream if you just happen to be joining us. If not, I hope you enjoyed the music and sang along with us and are learning that new song with us. Uh, I'm excited. Today is the finish of a teaching series, and of course, since this is all streamed and on the internet, you can go back and check out any of the messages in this series, but we've been kicking this year off with a bang and starting with our mission as a church because we're just saying, hey, 2021, 2020 was unexpected and crazy. But what we learned last year is that we can accomplish our mission both personally and together as a church, regardless of what's happening around us. And so we're just looking at 2021 and saying, I don't know what you've got to throw at us, but we can do the same thing. And so we're focusing in on our mission as a church, and we've talked about knowing God. We've talked about finding hope. Last week, we talked about living free, and those are really important bases for us. The question that we ask after that, though, is, well, what do we do with this hope? What do we do with this freedom? How are we supposed to live now? How do we move forward? What are we supposed to accomplish? That's what the fourth part of our mission statement is all about. And just maybe put yourself in this mentality, okay? Just if you can, you know, sort of transport yourself in space and time, pretend you're someone else for a moment, all right? Imagine for a moment that 20 years ago, you were convicted of a crime, and you were sentenced to life in prison. I know you're going to have to you're going to have to really like you know move your brain to, to put yourself in the spot, but try to get a sense for that. Twenty years ago, you were convicted of a crime and sentenced to life in prison. You went to prison, and you're expecting to spend the rest of your life there. But one day, somebody walks in, a lawyer walks in, and sits down across from you in the visitation room and says, "Good news." Your conviction's been overturned, and you get to go free today. A, think about the emotions that would render you confusion, excitement, all kinds of things at once would be running through your heart and through your mind. Well, that's what, that's what finding hope does to us. That's what living free is supposed to do to us, that we're under this sentence of sin, but because of what Jesus Christ did, we find out all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus, and now we can be free of our sin? That's incredible. And, and not only that, but we get to live free like we talked about last week, that I didn't earn my way into salvation, and so I can't earn my way out of it, that if Jesus says I'm free, I'm free indeed, and if I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, now I got to go live my life. The question is, when you walk out those doors and back into the world, what are you going to do with your freedom? you going to do with it? Now, I could, I could get released from prison. I could go out into the world, and then I could just live it up and just try to have as much fun as I could possibly have, right? I could live that way. Or I could decide with this new lease on life, this new opportunity that's in front of me, I want to do as much good as I can possibly do. I want to use my freedom for the benefit of other people. Well, that's a choice that we have to make. Last week, we read a verse from, that Paul wrote in, um, in Galatians, where he said, this is Galatians 5.13, he said, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, freedom, you've been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What we're going to talk about today is the part of our mission statement. We say, know God, find hope, live free, and the fourth piece is do good. Do good. That this freedom that God has given to us, we are not supposed to use as an opportunity for our own self-indulgence, our own benefit. We're supposed to use it for the benefit of other people, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so 
And, and if we're living free in the right way, then this is the natural byproduct of that. If we really understand what it means to live free and we appreciate the salvation we've been given, then doing good is going to be the natural outflow of it. You'll see the connection. We're gonna, our mission statement comes out of Ephesians chapter 2. And last week we read verses 8 and 9. And this week, let's look at verse 10. We'll actually start. Let's go 8 and 9 so we kind of refresh. And then we'll read verse 10, which is where this part of our mission statement comes from. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And that's where last week we said you didn't earn your salvation. It is a gift of God. You put your faith in Jesus, and he saves you. You don't have to do anything else to earn salvation. You couldn't earn it anyway, right? That's verse 8 and 9. And then he goes immediately into this thought in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now this verse, I don't know, this verse to me is so empowering. It's so encouraging because it means that we weren't just saved for nothing. We weren't saved and then we just go do whatever we want to do that God has a purpose for us, that he has work for us to accomplish, which he's already laid out. He's got things he wants us to do, and that gives us purpose and meaning in our life. So life is not just waiting time until heaven or until the kingdom. There's something to be done here, and he wants you and me to do it, and that is super encouraging. Although I know for some people that it might also be a little intimidating. Because <laughs> I want to know what it is and what I'm supposed to do, and I don't want to let God down in all of this. So I, I can see where that might be a little intimidating. But I want you to read this as very encouraging, and we'll talk about how and all of that as we get toward the end of the message today. But I want to look at this verse in a little more detail so we can really appreciate what Paul's saying about what our life is supposed to be. The first thing he says is that we are his workmanship. For you are his workmanship. And this word workmanship is, is really cool, and it gives the sense of a craftsman, a craftsman or a creator, or a term that is really popular right now, you might use a maker. God is, God is a maker. He's a craftsman. He's an artisan. He, uh, one of the things I love, I, I really like building things. It's, it's one of my hobbies. I talk about it a lot. Maybe I talk about it too much. Um, but I even wore my plaid shirt because I knew I was going to talk about being like a craftsman oh, today. <laughs> I want to look the part. Um, I didn't wear my woodworking apron, okay? But but I yeah, just to really drive it home. But I I, I wore this, and um, uh, I really love watching a skilled craftsman or craftswoman doing what they do, doing what they specialize in. It's mesmerizing to me. It's inspiring to me to watch it, and. Um, one of the things I love, the, the internet has uh, obviously has its flaws, but one of the things that has brought us is YouTube. And I am so thankful for YouTube because I sit and I watch that probably more than I watch regular TV, but I love watching a craftsman or craftswoman doing what they're a master of. Uh, one of my hobbies is, is woodworking. One of my hobbies is guitars. I put those together. I love building guitars. I talk about that a lot too. Um, but one of the things I've never ventured into, and I doubt I will ever venture into, is making acoustic guitars. All right. Um, and there's a difference for those of you that aren't musicians. I'll just quick, quick little lesson. But uh, acoustic guitar is different than an electric guitar. Um, an acoustic guitar is what I was playing this morning. An electric guitar is what Jimmy was playing this morning. And an acoustic guitar, you hit the strings and the strings make a sound. And that sound is amplified by the big hollow body of the guitar. And it, it comes out acoustically in the room. 
an electric guitar works differently. You hit the strings and there's a thing called a pickup underneath the strings. And that is what amplifies the, the sound of the, the guitar. But uh, building an acoustic guitar, you're working with very thin woods and very detailed. You gotta make bends and do all kinds of things. It's very, very fine work. Um, something that I'm, I'm not at the level to get into by any stretch. But I love watching videos of master luthiers building these acoustic guitars, the way they bend the wood, the tools that they have, it's all very specialized. And man, it is, it's soothing and inspiring and beautiful all at the same time. And if a person working their craft is that beautiful, I can only imagine how beautiful it is as God works his craft, as he builds, as he knits and designs, as he's putting together every little fiber of who we are and taking us through things and building things into our personality and our skill sets and our minds and putting us around other people and situations. It really is incredible. The, the prophet Isaiah put it this way. He said, and yet, O Lord, this is Isaiah 64, 8, and yet, O Lord, you're our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Like imagine yourself on a wheel, a potter working the clay, that God is the one who's molding, he's pushing and pulling and shaping. And, and, and it's just so incredibly beautiful. Hope none of you got like ghost pictures of the movie Ghost in your head when I was talking about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. And if you haven't seen that movie, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to recommend it. Anyway, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, he, that's what he's doing. He's creating and forming and sculpting. And I know some of you may be intimidated by this idea of God having a purpose for you because you're not so proud of the way that you've been formed. And you may say, well, I don't know how, I don't know if I have anything to offer. I don't know if because of my past and my mistakes and the, the issues that I've had and, and the time that I've wasted, I don't know if God could really use me. And I want you to know that even those flaws, even those issues, even those problems, God takes those and he uses them. And he can take even the worst parts of us and turn them into the most effective parts of us. And every handmade item is unique. And there's no handmade item that's perfect. Every handmade item has issues, has imbalances and all this kind of stuff. But that's what makes a handmade item beautiful in many ways. That every single one is unique. And those irregularities aren't flaws. They're evidence of the maker's hands. So you look at your life and you see everything that's happened, both good and bad, and God wants to take all of that and use it and form it and change it and make it useful again. Maybe there's a part of your life that you say, I've wasted it. Well, God can make that useful again. Um, I found myself in my, I call it my shop. It's my garage, uh, but I built it out like a shop, part of it anyway, the part that I'm allowed to have. And um, allowed to have, yeah, I know it's not like that, but um but I was working in my shop last year and I really needed uh, a hammer, a small hammer, like, like a tack hammer. And I didn't have one. And I don't know why I don't have one, but I didn't have one that could work. And I really had to have that tool. And then I remembered that I did have one actually, but it just, it wasn't any condition to use. It was my grandfather's hammer. And I got it, I think I stole it from my dad. My dad got it from my grandfather. I stole it from my dad, I'm sure. But the problem with the hammer is that the, the handle was like split in half and then, which meant it didn't seat well in the, the head of the hammer and the head of the hammer is all rusty and gross and corroded and it, that could just fly off one swing and the whole thing was gonna fly apart. And I thought, but I really need a hammer and I don't wanna go out and buy one. So what if I just took this old hammer and made it useful again? So I took the, the handle, which was split down the middle 
and I, I disassembled it from the head, which is a, it's a, looks like a home, maybe a home forged metal head on this hammer. And I sanded it down to get it back down so it wasn't as ugly. <laughs> sanded back all the, the years of use and abuse. I uh, filled the center with epoxy so that it glued it together, but that it also you know, looked nice. I did a refinish on the handle and a reshape on the handle with gunstock oil, because I love the way that looks and feels. I took the head and I did a rust removal process on the head of the hammer. And then I uh, ground it down to the bare metal and then did a bluing process, which would protect it from further corrosion. And then I reseated the head and I put in the wedges into the handle and then I actually epoxied the handle on. So this thing is beautiful, one. I think, <laughs> and it works as a hammer. <laughs> and so not only does it look good, but it functions really well. And I think the coolest parts about this handle are where the damage was. I love this line down the middle where the epoxy is filled and I love the way that looks. I love there's a, it looks like a stain, maybe an oil stain or something right here. I love that. The head is all pitted from where it was rusted out, but that gives it character and makes the hammer what it is. And so I love using this hammer. In fact, I keep it in the belt loop of my, of my woodworking apron, so I always have it on hand to use because I use it all the time. And some of you may see your life just like this hammer. You think, I'm split down the middle, I'm, I'm broken, I'm, I'm rusted, I'm, I'm worn, and I'm not useful anymore. And what God wants to do with you is God wants you to be his workmanship, to craft you and to restore you and make you useful and to take those things that maybe are your biggest flaws and use them for your highest and greatest use. And the coolest thing happened when I, uh, when I restored this hammer too. I found something that I, I never knew was there because when I stripped off all of the, all of the rust and began to, to clean it off back to the bare metal, I found a maker's mark on it right here above the handle and actually the exact same thing on the other side, except that it's, it's hand scrawled into the handle. So it's not a stamp or a press or a production item. I'm pretty sure this was handmade. It's scrawled in there by hand. And it's the initials S-I-A-D. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> other than I imagine that someone named Steve made this or, so, or something. <laughs> I, I'm not 100% sure. But I think that was, it was such a cool thing to be able to to see the maker's mark once the handle was restored. And that's what happens with our life, I believe, that God takes us and he takes the worst parts about us and he, he fills it with epoxy and he glues it in place and he, he takes off the rust and he makes us useful again. And it's only once we're useful again and we go through that process, we really start to see the mark of the maker on our life. We get to see what God has been doing in our life. So maybe some of you are like that, like that hammer. You are a handmade item. You're a custom order. You have a personality that God has built into you. You have skills, things that you're good at, and things that you've learned over the years. You have experiences that are 100% unique to you. Some of those are incredible experiences, and some of those are traumatic experiences. But God wants to take all of that, this master craftsman wants to take all of that and turn it into something useful, something productive. He says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. That there is something new and fresh that happens in us and to us after salvation. 
that God wants to do something more in us as his children than he was doing in us. And yes, God does work in people and in their lives before they're saved, all right? That more that he wants to do in and through us as his children. We are created in Christ Jesus. This word created is a really neat word too. It means to be formed or reformed. Formed or reformed, to be shaped and changed, molded. Actually, this is a word that they would use uh, that, the, that the Roman Empire, for example, would use when they were talking about taking a wild place or uh, 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 an unsettled place and making it habitable and establishing a city or a state in that place. So it's to take something previously uninhabitable and make it habitable, which I think is such a beautiful word picture for what God does in us. Because before we are saved, we are living in sin, we are living in our own devices, in our own way, and then he saves us by faith through grace, or through faith by grace in Jesus Christ, and he begins reforming us and making us habitable, a place where the Holy Spirit lives and works and is active. And so then what he does is on top of all those skills and those, you know, uh, passions and experiences and abilities and all that that's been forming over our entire life, we accept Christ as our Savior. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, and then he begins giving us spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. It's what the Spirit does on top of what is already there. It's supernatural things that God does through us and with us. It's incredible. And Paul, uh, in, in the book of uh, letter of 1 Corinthians, which we're studying in our Bible study right now during the week, 1 Corinthians, in chapter 12, he says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He wants, And then he goes in this whole section where he talks about spiritual gifts, but he wants them to understand because understanding your spiritual gifts and knowing what they are and when they are happening is really vital to you doing the work of God. Because God wants to do work through you and with you that you can't do on your own. And you need spiritual gifts in order to be able to do that. But spiritual gifts are also a hot topic of debate <laughs> within the church. There are a lot of different beliefs about what spiritual gifts are and what they're not and when they're used and when they're not used and how they should be gone about and so much conversation and so much dialogue and so much disagreement and argument sometimes. You've got one side of people that say, you know, well, these are the gifts and everybody is supposed to have all of these gifts or everybody has to have this one gift or you're not saved and you got that on one side. And on the other side, you got people who say, well, no, these gifts aren't even active anymore and this one isn't valid. And so if you're doing it, you're faking it and yada, yada, like all sides of that thing. It's so confusing, can be so confusing. What is a spiritual gift? And it's not that I have this 100% figured out, but I just get so frustrated when people take something that's simple and make it complicated. And the reality is that spiritual gifts, the concept of spiritual gifts is really, really simple. It's really simple. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that the Spirit gives us when we need it. And that's it. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that the Spirit gives us when we need it. And that could be anything at any time. It could be just for a moment, or it could be for a lifetime. It could be a, a gift, or an ability that you just have on tap when, whenever you need it. But we try to, we take spiritual gifts and we put them into a box and we turn it into a, like an argument thing when the truth is, here's the deal. 
If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives within you and he wants to empower you to do certain things. And he can do whatever God wants him to do in order to accomplish the will of God. And that's it. And we need to be open to that. We need to be open to that and we need to look for it and hope for it and recognize it when it happens. Uh, in the same chapter I just started reading from, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit, and that's what spiritual gifts are, the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So make a note that God does not give you spiritual gifts so you can use them to your, your own advantage. That's not what he does. For verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. These are, and, and this is a list of things, and there are different lists of gifts in the, in the scripture, okay? Different kinds of lists in the scripture with different things on them about spiritual gifts. And this to me is what I consider a yada, yada, yada list. Okay? A yada, yada, yada list, okay? Here's some of the spiritual gifts, ready? The words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, Gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, yada, 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 yada. It's, it's not a definitive list. It's a descriptive list. It's so that we can see the kinds of things that the Spirit may do in us and through us, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we don't get to force God's hand on these gifts. We don't get to decide what gifts we have or when we have them. We don't use them for our own uh, our own edification. Well, use them edification, yes, but not for our own glory, all right, not to get attention. This is a lot of what Paul has to deal with the spiritual gifts in the scripture when he talks about them specifically. People are using them for selfish purposes, to draw attention to themselves and other things, and that's not what they're for. So I think that either side of that argument I was talking about earlier, out at the extreme of those arguments, both of them do a very big disservice to what spiritual gifts are and it twists what they are, and then it prevents us from being able to use them properly or recognize them when they're happening. I think it's best not to limit God by saying that he won't give someone a gift that they need and say, well, this gift is not real and this one's not for now or whatever. Like, God could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I'm not going to put a cap on that. But I also think that it's best not to limit God by saying he must give a gift to someone who wants it. God will give gifts as he wills. And so we just have to be open to that. He's the maker. We're not the maker. He's the craftsman. We're not the craftsman. Created in Christ Jesus, not created in ourselves, all right? He wants to do these things in us. He wants to show us. And I remember moments where I could see the Spirit working, knowing it was a gift He was giving me. I, the, let me give an example, okay? Um, and I, I've shared this example before, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but um, I remember being in a meeting once that was very, very contentious. There was a 
you know, a dozen people in the room. And very, very contentious, hot, hot situation. Tempers were flaring. People were involved personally and organizationally and all kinds of stuff all at the same time. And I was at my wit's end not knowing how to handle it or how to diffuse it because it felt like a powder keg that was about to go off. And it's a room full of pastors, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they can get hot. And uh, so we're in the room and the argument is happening and I'm doing all the things that I think I need to do just keep myself calm. And I remember just praying and saying, saying, God, I don't, I don't have no idea what to say. So would you please just speak through me? And I spoke. And I spoke for about 10 minutes. And whatever I said had a dramatic impact on the room, on individually, somehow on the hearts of everyone, diffused the situation, and we were able to come to a really great conclusion of that meeting. We got done, got home, I was telling Jess all about it. She's like, so what did you say? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what I said. I believe 100% it was the Spirit giving me the gift of those words to share with the room, and they were not my words. It doesn't happen like all the time, but sometimes it does. And we have to recognize that God wants to use us in incredible ways. It might be talking to somebody who's discouraged and God gives you something encouraging to say to them and you don't know quite why you're saying it, but you're saying it and it turns out it's, it was exactly what they needed. It might be when you're praying for someone or it might be when you're, when you're worshiping or, or the thing is the Spirit will do what He needs to do in you, pour on top of what God has already formed in you what you need in order to accomplish the will of God. And in order for supernatural things to happen in the world, supernatural acts need to happen. And they, God does that often through us in these ways. He said, you're created in Christ Jesus. You're God's workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works. And this phrase means productive works. We're supposed to be producing something, accomplishing something, contributing to something. And the thing is, there are a lot of good things that you can do in life. There's a lot of, you know, organizations you can be involved with, ways you can help or encourage people. There's a lot of really great things you can do in life. But we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. The good that we're supposed to be doing and be focusing on isn't temporary good work. It's eternal good work. Everything that I do, everything, all the good works done in my name are temporary. But the good works done in Jesus' name are eternal. I give this example often, but let's say I was going to, you know, I saw that there were villages in Africa that needed clean drinking water. And so I want to go to Africa and I want to build wells for them. Well, I can go to Africa and I can build wells for them and get clean drinking water to that town. And that's a good thing, but it's a temporary thing. Or I can go to that town and I can build the well and I can make sure that they know why I'm doing it. That I'm doing it because I want them to know that God loves them, that Jesus loves them, and because I want to serve and honor him and I want to love them as a result. Now that work is not just temporary, although it is, is not just now, but now that work is eternal. Now that work has an, an impact on their soul and not just their body. This is the kind of work, this is the kind of good work that he wants us to set ourselves to. And it's not just, it's not for our benefit, it's for the mutual benefit. I exist for the common good. And so God is in the process of, he's been in the process of knitting you together, of creating you, informing you, of making you. 
And he's offering to you spiritual gifts to accomplish the work that he has in front of you. And he's in the process of doing all of that because he has things he wants you to accomplish. He has a purpose for you. So I mentioned earlier, we're going to keep coming back to this as a theme. I mentioned earlier that I love building guitars. And, and I told you that, you know, an, an acoustic guitar is a really like uh, detail-oriented thing that requires a fine craftsman's hands, and which I'm not capable of doing. But an electric guitar is a little different because it's a chunk of wood, and I can handle that. And so, and so I really enjoy building electric guitars, and I've built se several of them. And uh, it's kind of a learning process and journey for me where I'm learning different aspects of, of that whole process. And I finally got to the point where I was building this, this one guitar, and I've been assembling pieces over the course of about a year to put together this custom thing that I, that I want to do. And it, need, it needed pickups. And uh, every, every electric guitar needs a pickup. And, and uh, so what that is, for those of you that may not understand electric guitars, uh, which is probably most of you, because why would you? Um, a pickup is, it's, it looks like a, a, like a block or a bar. It might be thin, it might be thick, but anyway, it sits under the strings. Maybe you've seen those. And it's the way, the way an electric guitar works is that the pickup has a centerpiece called a bobbin. And then around that centerpiece is wrapped very, very thin wire, as thin as, a, as like a human hair, okay? And it's wrapped around that bobbin thousands of times, and that creates a big coil of wire. And then on the bottom or in the middle, depending on the kind of pickup, there's a magnet or magnets. When, and that magnet creates a magnetic field. When the string vibrates inside of that magnetic field, it creates, in that coil, it creates a voltage. That voltage goes out through a wire to an amplifier. An amplifier amplifies that voltage and turns it into a sound that you can hear, okay? So very different than an acoustic guitar. It's all electronics that are happening with an electric guitar. The problem is pickups are expensive <laughs> because they, uh, they're like the most expensive thing in a guitar, typically, because that's what makes the sound. And how a pickup is constructed matters because that is ultimately the major thing that forms the sound of the guitar. And so I decided that if I was really going to be building guitars and not spending a lot of money doing it, then one of the things I wanted to figure out was, how do I want my own pickups? Well, the problem is you've got this bobbin that has thousands upon thousands of wraps of this wire on it. Who wants to do that by hand? The answer is nobody. <laughs> and so you need a machine in order to wind a pickup. So for Christmas, I asked for all the components of this machine and I built it. <laughs> so here it is. This is my pickup winder. I'm super proud of it. And yes, this does feel a little like show and tell today. <laughs> All right, this is like, like kindergarten. I am, I am really proud of this. I finished it a few weeks ago. And without going into to belaboring it, uh, you've got the, 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 the wire comes up from the swool which on the floor through here, through these, which are actually, uh, these are little felt pads that are used on drum cymbals. But goes through there, up and over this top piece, and the bobbin of the pickup is taped to uh, this piece right here. And then I have speed controls, on-off switches, and I can turn on this piece, which moves the wire back and forth, and then this is what spins and wraps the wire around, okay? And then you can see this thing right here is a sensor, 
And every time that there's a magnet on the back of this, every time it passes that sensor, it counts right here on this counter. Pretty cool, right? So I can tell. So yesterday, I wanted to pick up. This is a P90 pickup. I can't show you the coils because they're encapsulated in there, okay? But um, 9,500 winds of coil on this P90 pickup. Um, <laughs> Dennis and you're a nerd. I'm a huge nerd. I know I'm a nerd. I love this stuff. Uh, I can I can teach really anything and get excited about it. But um, but yeah, so I wound that yesterday. I'm really excited to hear how it sounds when I put it in the guitar that I'm working on. I got another pickup I have to build though too. All right. So but this is a this is a custom design. It's based on someone else's design, but it's a custom design. I cut every piece of wood, every piece of plastic, every piece of metal. I didn't build the motors. I had to buy those maybe one day, all right? But this is designed for a very specific purpose. Very specific purpose. If I don't use this for its intended purpose, what good is it? I mean, if this, if this, is, this, is, an, this is a paperweight. This is a very complicated paperweight if I don't wind pickups with it, but it has a very specific purpose. I want you to know that God has a purpose for your life. He's designed you, put the pieces in place, and laid it out in just such a way that it will accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. He's designed you that way. And I want to ask you a question. Are you using your gifts, your abilities, your experiences, your personality, are you using them for God's purpose for your life? And are you using them to their highest capacity? Are you using them for the common good or for your good? These are important questions for us to ask. God is the craftsman. We are a functional design of his. Now, to kind of clear, clear this up a little bit, some of you, some of you may be pickup winders. Like you are so specific, you are so tailored, you are so uniquely gifted and designed to do one thing. God has one specific thing he has geared you to do. And you need to do that one thing and you need to do that one thing really, really well because you might be the only person on the planet that can do it. Some of you might be a pickup winder. Some of you might be a hammer. <laughs> Okay, a hammer can do a lot of different things. There's a lot of things you can smash with this, I'm telling you. All right, it's a simple tool. It is a general tool, but it can be used a hundred different ways. Some of you might be a hammer. Some of you might be specialists. God's got that one thing he wants you to do. Some of you might be generalists. There are so many things that God can use you to do. You just got to get pointed in a direction and swing. Okay, there's some of you, like I think about children's ministry. They were talking, uh, Marie and Jess were talking about children's ministry earlier and other ministries you can get involved in. And some people walk into children's ministry and they know what they want to do because they know they're great at it. They're like, they're like, I want to teach. I want to teach. I can kill it at that. I'm just awesome at it. I've done it before. I know it's what my heart is. My passion is. Let me do that. And then there are some people who walk into children's ministry and they're like, I don't know, just put me somewhere. Yeah. Great. We need both. Yeah. All right, we need both. The world needs both. The church needs both. And so it doesn't matter. The, the pickup winder is not important than that. More, more is not more important than the hammer. Okay, they're both equally important. And I don't know which one you are, but God has a plan and desire for you. He said, uh, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God's purpose for your life is not a moment, it's a journey. You walk in it. And it's really interesting, this idea actually of walking in something is a weird concept. It's actually kind of a contradiction <laughs> because the word that he uses here that we translate to English is, um, uh, uh, what's, let me get the, the wording right. Uh, it, is, it means a fixed position, all right? It means a fixed position, but walking is not a fixed position. So this is a fixed position of progress, a fixed position of productivity. You are in productivity all the time. You are living this every single day, looking for how God wants to use you and how God wants to do good through you and with you. It's a transformation. Now, I know the question, the natural question that always comes with this is, okay, what is it? What does God want me to do? What are my spiritual gifts? What is my purpose? Incredibly important question to ask, but I think we answer it wrong. I think our default is maybe not the best option because our default is typically we need to pray about it. You need to pray about it and you need to wait for God to tell you. You need God to tell you or you need to take an assessment. <laughs> we use assessments and they're helpful and everything. It's not that we shouldn't do these things, but like I, I hear that so often from people. I, I don't know what God wants me to do. So I'm praying about it and I'm waiting for him to tell me. No, what you're supposed to do is walk. Walk. Don't, don't wait. You gotta do something. And the, the truth is, the reality is, with, when it comes to spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are given as God wills. And I believe the spiritual gifts are given as we need them. And so you're never gonna discover your spiritual gifts if you don't need them. If you're not in a position to need them. You're never going to know if you have a gift for teaching unless you try teaching. You're never going to know if you have a gift of prayer unless you're praying. You're never going to know if you have a gift of encouragement unless you're talking to people who are discouraged. So you have to put yourself in the position first. You have to walk in it first, and the gift comes. The, then you see how God empowers you and uses you in that thing. And sometimes you have to try some stuff. You try something, you don't see God moving in that thing. You don't see him empowering. You're like, okay, you don't feel that fulfillment that comes when we're operating in our giftedness and when we're operating in our purpose. And so you say, okay, so I'm going to try something else. But you got to walk, not wait. And it's important that we are looking for these things, that we're making a conscious decision that I'm being reformed and recreated in Christ Jesus, that God has work he wants me to do, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to find that work. I'm going to go do it. It takes activity. I want to contribute. I want to make a difference. I want to help people. I want to I grow the kingdom of God, not that it needs to be grown, but that I want to introduce people to it. I want to be a part of this, involved, active. That requires initiative. Jess was talking about ways that you could serve in our church. That's one way, is getting involved with your church. Paul talks about the church right after he, this whole section where he talked about being diversities of gifts and all of that. He talks about the church as a body. He says that we need all the parts of the body. Hand can't say to the, say to the stomach, I don't need you. Stomach can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You know? My mouth needs the stomach, like the, stomach, the mouth and the stomach, like they need each other, you know? Can't chew a hamburger without, it, without the mouth. You can't digest it without the stomach. You need each other, right? 
Jess is telling me to move on. You get the point, right? We need everybody together. We need everybody together in our church. Our community needs the diversities of gifts that exist within our church. Our community needs it. Our families need it. And so each of us takes ownership of our good that we're doing. We say, I'm going to go do it. And I know that God is going to lead me as I go. He's going to direct me. I know that he's going to empower me. And it's, it's all for his glory and not for mine. And God will take that. When we make that, those choices individually, he takes that and he builds that up and together into something active together. You think about the, the, uh, the church as a body. He takes all those parts of hands like, yep, I'm going to be a hand. I'm going to do hand stuff. And, and, and the shoulders like, I'm going to be a shoulder. I'm going to do shoulder stuff, right? Every, every part of the body's doing its, its thing. And he puts all that together. It's the, that's a chicken wing. I'm just getting ready for the Super Bowl tonight, right? He takes that and he puts that all together. And then the body can do what it's supposed to do. But if the parts aren't doing what they're supposed to do, the body can't do what it's supposed to do. And so we count on each other to do good. Beautiful thing is that as we do good and we do it in the name of Jesus, as we operate in our gifts and we do things that are just, in some cases, can even boggle your mind because they're supernatural things the Spirit is doing through us, that other people get to see that happening. They experience it, either they're the beneficiary of it or the observer of it, and when they see it, they can't believe it, and it helps them to know God. And the cycle that we've gone through of knowing God, finding hope, living free, and then doing good helps other people to know God, find hope, live free, do good, and it becomes this upcycle of all of us together progressing in the mission that God has given to us as individuals and as a church. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians. That's where our mission statement has come out of. And so let's read toward the end of chapter 2, which is where we started all of this today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He's taking all the parts and the pieces. Jesus is the cornerstone. The apostles and prophets are the foundation. And now through history, he's taken all of us like a stone in a building. He's custom cut us, custom fit us, and laying us in together to be built into a building that is the dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so I don't know where you are on this journey. I know some of you, you set out to, to discover your gifts and your abilities and your mission and your purpose and the good you're supposed to do years ago. And you have a really clear picture of what that is. And you're operating in that every single day. And that's incredible. It's an incredible step on our journey of becoming like Jesus. And so keep it up. Stay encouraged. Know that your reward comes from the Lord even if you don't see reward happening here. Know that God is continuing to empower and encourage you and is thankful for the work and the faithfulness that you're showing and that he's going to reward that for all of eternity as you continue to operate in that giftedness. Some of you may be in a place where you want to, you want to use your gifts, but you're just not sure what they are yet. I want to encourage you to take some risks. And yes, you need to pray and ask for God to speak to you. And yes, you know, taking an assessment or doing other, those things might be helpful. 
But more than anything, I want to challenge you to take a risk and to offer yourself somewhere. That could be within our church, serving somewhere within our church. It could be serving somewhere in the community. It might be something you do for a friend or at work. It might be something that you do in your family. But put yourself out there and take a risk to do good in the name of Jesus. And watch how God leads you. Watch how he empowers you and watch how he encourages you. And take that cue for what you're supposed to be doing. If you're not sure where to start, Right? We said you can, you can pray and he, God may guide you that way. Uh, it may be through like an assessment. One of the best things you can do, I think, is talk to the people around you, believers around you, because oftentimes outside people have a better perspective than we have on ourselves and they see things in you that you never saw in yourself. And people are like, no, have you ever seen the way you, you work with kids? It's unbelievable. You know, or, or you have a gift for music or, or you have a gift for encouraging people. You, know, you said things to me that just really lifted me. You may find it that way. But take a risk and take a step and say, I'm committing in my life because I know God, because I've found hope, because I'm living free, that I am going to do good. And as you do that, I'm telling you, God is going to open up to you, to you a world that you've never seen before, an experience that you've never had before, as he continues to transform you and mold you and make you from the inside out. It's unbelievable. All right, so let's take the first step in that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to continue guiding us if we're already on this journey and to help us get help get us started if that's where we are as well. All right, let's pray. Father, I come to you and thank you so much that you love us. It is baffling, God, to think that you as the creator of the universe, the designer of atoms, <laughs> the maker of the expanse of the universe, you know me individually, that you know every single person who's listening to this today, who's worshiping with us today. You know them individually, and you have been individually molding and crafting them over their entire life. And that as believers, maybe someone becomes a believer today, God, as we're, as we're in our time today, that they've put their faith in Jesus for the first time, believing in his death and believing in his resurrection for salvation, and they accept that today. And that from that moment on, that you want to fill us with your spirit and give us gifts and empower us and enable us in ways that we couldn't possibly do on our own to accomplish the work that we could never accomplish on our own. And so we thank you so much for that. We want to see those things. We want to experience and see where you're working, where you're moving, how you're acting, what you're doing. And we want to put ourselves in positions to receive those gifts. Sometimes those are uncomfortable positions for us, God. So I pray that you give us the boldness and the initiative to step into them. I pray for the person right now who's watching this and who doesn't know what to do, who doesn't know even where to get started that right now you would give them a first step in their mind, in their heart, through, their, through the Spirit. Give them a first step right now. Point them in a direction. And even if that's very general, I ask God that you do that and that you continue to lead them as they step. For the person who knows what their gifts are, God, I pray that you would help them to continue using them at the highest level, to find new ways of using those gifts and abilities and experiences that you would encourage them as they do that because doing your work is as exciting as it is and as inspiring as it is, it can also be hard and it can at times be draining. 
And so, God, I pray that you encourage them. That together, not only as individuals, but together as a church, we would be doing the things you want us to do in the power that you want us to do them in so that the world can look at us and see an active body working and moving so they can see things that are of eternal impact and importance and not just what's temporary in here and now. And that through our life, because we know God, because we know you, because we found hope, because we live free and because we're committed to doing good, someone else might know you. Someone else might understand salvation. Someone else might see that you love them, that you've created them, that you have a plan for them, and that you want to save them. And so we thank you for every opportunity you put in front of us, and we don't want to waste any of them. So help us to see what you want us to do, and help us to see how you want us to do it. And we're trusting in your power as we do. We thank you, and we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.